Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. All right, grab your Bibles, turn with me please to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Acts 9, um, first verse. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way that he found there. Didn't Jesus say he was the way? All right, so that's what they called it in the early church. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. Verse 3 says, as he was preaching, or as he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone around him. He fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, verse 4, the voice said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He said, who are you, Lord? And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Can you all say busted this morning? Yeah. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Verses 17 through 20. So Ananias went, y'all fill in the gaps, y'all read it this afternoon because it's it's great. Ananias went uh, and found Saul, and he laid his hands on him, and he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And instantly something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. He got up and was baptized and afterward he ate some food and regained his strength. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days and immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue saying he is indeed the Son of God. Lord, I thank you for your word today, and I thank you for the power behind your word. Lord, I pray that you would help us to experience that power today, that we would know that every wall, every obstacle, every uh, objection that is in any heart today would fall before your presence and before the power of your word today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, this was the account of the full surrender of Saul of Tarsus, who was the most passionate persecutor and even executioner of the early Christians. This was the point in his life when he became Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles. His transformation was so complete, it was so incredible, it was so surprising that God even changed his name changed the trajectory of his life. He would go on to write 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament. It would be hard to overestimate how important 
this man was, not just to the early church, but to every generation of believers since then. I promise you, most of what you know, or at least half of what you know about Jesus and how to live a life that follows Jesus came from the Apostle Paul. So I want to look at his lifestyle of surrender and learn some more about what surrender looks like. You'd say, John, when is this surrender series going to be over? When he quits giving me messages. So I'd like to tell you, but I just don't know. Sometimes you can learn a lot about a subject by learning what it's not, not just by what it is. So we've talked about what fully surrendered is a few weeks ago. So today the, the message is titled, Fully Surrendered Is Not. Is not. We're going to talk about what it ain't. We're going to get right into it. Here's the first thing. Surrender is not subtle. Surrender is not subtle, but radical. I know some of y'all just got scared when I said radical, but you're going to be all right. Uh, Within just a few days of his conversion experience, Paul was right back out in the public, right back in the synagogue. He He wasn't there to arrest the followers of Jesus. He was there to passionately and persuasively convince people that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God. Believe me when I tell you, people took notice. They could not believe it. As a matter of fact, a lot of them did not believe it. They, they thought it was a trap. They thought he was setting them up. They thought it was an act. Over time, it was clear that whatever had happened to, on the road to Damascus changed Paul at his core. He was not even the same man. When we talk about surrendering to Jesus... We're not talking about making minor adjustments to our already awesome lives. This is not about adding Jesus to your team. It's not about getting Jesus on your squad. It's not about incorporating some of his teachings into your thoughts. We're talking about all-in, life-changing, not even the same kind of person change. That's what we're talking about. All right? Not even life-changing. It's more like life-exchanging. You're exchanging your old life for his new life. Let me show it to you in Colossians chapter 3. Think about the things of heaven and not the things of earth. Here's why. For you died to this life. And your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, look, when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you'll share in all of his glory. When you surrender, Jesus isn't part of your life. He is your life. There's nothing subtle about surrender. You can't kind of surrender. When when you surrender, you're declaring that you're done fighting. You're done resisting. You are completely at the mercy of and under the control of the person that you surrendered to. It's a radical change in your life. The salvations that we read about in the Bible were transformative. They were radical. There was no question that these people had been saved. I know it's a different time. I know we're 2,000 years in. I know that sometimes a person naturally comes to Jesus after having been raised in the faith, and there's nothing wrong with that. 
But even a person who's raised in a Christian home, even a person who's not leaving a lifestyle of sex, drugs, rock and roll, perversion, addiction, all the things, somebody like me, at some point, either at conversion or some other point in your life, you have to choose to radically surrender your life to Jesus. It might be natural, but it can't be subtle. It, it has to be a radical thing. Where are the radical salvations in our day? Has the blood of Jesus lost its power? You know what I think? I think we're afraid. I think we're afraid. I think we talk a good game, but I think a lot of us are not entirely sure that the gospel of Jesus actually changes lives. That, that, that you can walk in a Saul and walk out a Paul. That you can walk in a sinner and walk out a saint. But that's the kind of change that we read about in the word and that we know that we know Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. So who is it that you think is so far gone that you quit praying for him? I dare you. Can we take it back to fourth grade? I double dog dare you. I don't even know what that means, y'all, but that's in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. I dare you to start praying for them again. Pray for them again. Start believing in the radical power of the gospel to save people and change people. Do you, under, do, do you know that surrendering to Jesus will even change the way you look? I've seen it a few times in my life. The old, the old word for it is countenance. I've seen a person's countenance change, their appearance change. I had a young lady get saved last week, Lily. I didn't tell Lily I was going to talk about her, but I've been talking about you. Lily got saved last week. And I'm telling you, her face looked so different, I didn't even know who she was. I baptized her, y'all, like I couldn't get no closer to her, and I had to ask Hal and Bev afterwards. I said, who was that girl? I didn't even know who she was. I've talked to her a bunch of times. I did not recognize her face. Her radical surrender to Jesus changed her soul, it changed her eternity, and it changed her face. That's radical. That's radical. Repentance is a response to the love and mercy of Jesus. It's not about guilt and shame. It's a response to the love and mercy of Jesus. That's what drew Saul, and that's what draws you. It, it, you can't surrender to the love of Jesus and not be changed. You can't be in love and not be different. Can you? We don't even understand God's love completely. We understand earthly love, and we know you can't even be in earthly love and not be different. When you're in love, your focus changes. Your interests change. How you spend your time, how you spend your money, all that changes. You act different. You feel different. You can't be in love and not be different. Listen, a lot of people have prayed a prayer, but you can be sorry and not be surrendered. The church has used guilt and shame and condemnation for so long that we allow people to get a little bit of relief from their shame and guilt, but not get surrendered. We don't tell them they're supposed to be surrendered. 
We don't tell them that this is not about what you did in the past. It's about what you're doing in the future by giving your life to Jesus. So we got people who got real sorry but did not get surrendered. You can be sorry for your sin and not be surrendered to his holiness. You can be sorry for your old life and not surrender to his new life that he's giving you in exchange. Being saved is being reborn, being born again. It's surrendering everything about your old self who is dead in your trespasses and sins so that you can live again through and for and because of Jesus. Is Jesus at the center of everything for you? Is he a person that you have a relationship with or is he just a character in an ancient book? Does your relationship with Jesus extend beyond 10.30 on Sunday morning? Maybe you've been trying to find the middle ground where you can still love Jesus but not have to change too much, not have to be too different from everybody else, not draw too much attention to yourself. I've just lived too long and I've seen too much. I can look around and discern the times that we're living in, and I'm telling you, casual Christianity, cultural Christianity will not work anymore. It really never did. But we're in times now that it, it, I'm telling you, darker days are coming. And dipping your toes in is not going to work. Dabbling around the edges of this thing is not going to work. You are going to have to get off the fence and make a decision to get all the way in with Jesus. Surrender is the only way. I'm just telling you, surrender is not subtle. It's radical. Maybe I'm just getting old-fashioned in my advanced years, but, but I still believe there's power in the blood of Jesus. Right? I still believe in a gospel that breaks the chains of sin over a person's life. I still believe that Jesus is who he said he is. That he is the way and the truth and the life. That he is the resurrection and the life. That he is the light of the world. I still believe in a power that can meet a man whose life is so wrecked by sin and Satan that he cuts his wrists and sheds his clothes and howls at the moon in the graveyard. But within minutes of meeting this man, that guy is clothed in his right mind, sitting at the feet of Jesus. I believe that. If your life's a wreck, if you're so messed up, you don't even know where to start this morning. If you think no God would want you, you're in the right place this morning. Jesus wants you. He made you. He loves you. He's calling you this morning. So why don't you surrender yourself today? Because you're in a room full of people that used to think no God would want us until he did. And I hear this all the time. John, I prayed a prayer when I was a kid. I'm not sure if I understood what I was doing. I'm not sure that I actually got saved. I believe the word teaches that saved means a lifetime of surrender to the Savior. If you say you're saved, but there's been no difference in your life, 
If you say you're saved and there's no change in your attitudes or your actions, there's no fire burning in your soul, there's no love for Jesus, there's no rivers of living water beginning to bubble up. If you say you're saved and old things did not pass away and nothing really became new, then you need to go back to the cross. You need to go back to Calvary. You need to go back and see the price that he paid for your sin. You need to go back and see Jesus bearing the weight of your sin on that cross. You need to go back and see the blood that he shed so that you could be changed and healed and delivered and set free and different. Go back and look into the eyes that were so full of love that he was willing to die for you. Go back and surrender your life to that man. Go back and repent of your sin. Go back and ask him to cleanse you, to wash you, to change you. Go back and give him all of you from the inside out. Go back and fully surrender to Jesus until something breaks, until something changes radically in your life. Get saved this morning or get surrendered this morning, but whatever you do, don't walk out the same. Surrender's not subtle. And if you're wondering if you are, you're not. Here's the second thing fully fully surrendered is not. Y'all hang on one second. Father, there are people in this place right now who think they thought they were saved and they don't know about right now. Holy Spirit, would you just minister to them right now? Help them to overcome the fear, overcome the confusion, overcome the pride, whatever it is that may be standing in their way. Maybe they have to overcome wrong thinking and wrong teaching from a year from years worth of religion. But Lord, I don't care what it is. Help them to get saved today for sure. They surrender their lives to you today for sure that their hearts are changed, their lives are altered, that they are never the same as a result of their commitment to you today. Help them to know when they walk out today. Lord, only you and them know. I'm not judging them. I'm in no position to judge anybody. But I pray that you would help them to know the truth about their own salvation. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Second thing about being fully surrendered is that what fully surrendered is not, is surrender is not safe. It's not safe. It's, but it is strategic. It's not safe, but it is strategic. When someone commits to the United States military, they are offering the U.S. government a blank check for any amount up to and including their own lives. Their safety is at risk. It's part of what they signed up for. It is the epitome of fully surrendered. You want to know what it looks like? That's what it looks like. Paul made the same commitment to Jesus and to the kingdom of God when he surrendered. I want you to look at what what, uh, Paul's life turned out like. This is a little quick bio he wrote about himself in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Uh, He said, are they served? You'd have to understand the context. If you'll just skip that first couple of sentences, 
And let me read you the bio part. Paul said, I've worked harder. I've been put in prison more often. I've been whipped times without number. Faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. One time I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. I traveled many long journeys. I faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. I faced danger from men who claim to be believers, but who are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I've been hungry and thirsty. I've often gone without food. I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. And then besides all of this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. When you surrender yourself to Jesus, you are telling him to place you wherever you are most needed for the kingdom. To use you in whatever ways will advance the gospel. Here's what I want you to know, though, right up front. It will not be comfortable, and it may not even be safe. Paul's life is living proof. The American church has become a cult of safety and comfort. The American church has become a cult of safety and comfort. You will hear 18 prayers of, Lord, keep us safe and bring us back safely before you ever hear one person say, God, use me however you want to this week. Well, that hurt. Because I pray those prayers too. Anything that puts you in danger, according to the American church, can't possibly be from God because he wants everyone safe and happy. In the interest of bursting that bubble, where is that in the Bible? Where did Jesus say that following him would be easy and safe and comfy? Did he not say we were to take up our cross and follow him? There is nothing safe and comfortable about a cross. Did he not say that the road to life, or the road to destruction was wide and smooth, but the path that he's on, the path that leads to life, is narrow and rough? Surrendering to Jesus is not about safety, because it's a walk of faith. Faith is, by definition, risky. If it was a sure thing, it wouldn't require faith. There's risk involved. God knows the end from the beginning. But you don't. And he rarely tells you. He just asks you to obey and to trust him. I know this is, this is not going to be on anybody's top ten list. I understand that. But is this the truth today? Yes. Surrendering to Jesus is not the path to safety. Because it's not even about the here and now. The life of Christ following is about eternal things. Isn't that what Colossians said? Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Jesus said, don't, don't fear man. Jesus, the one we're depending on for our eternity, said, don't fear man because all they can do is kill you. What? I'm sorry, what? He said, all they can do to you is kill you. He said, instead, fear God because he can throw body, soul, everything into hell. I'm not saying being surrendered to Jesus means you're moving to the jungles of Africa 
or to the mean streets of, of the worst place in the world. This is just about trying to change your perspective. It takes a surrendered life to do anything for Jesus. And I promise you, whatever he's calling you to do is going to scare you. You're going to have to get used to doing things scared. Why else would he tell us 366 times in the Bible to quit fearing, to quit being afraid, to don't be controlled by fear? Because there's a lot of scary things that he's asking us to do, but we still have to have the faith to step out and do them. He's simply telling us being safe and comfortable has nothing to do with following him. In John 21, Peter was mad that John wasn't going to have to die for his faith. Read it. It's pretty funny. You, you try hanging out with a dozen men and see if things don't get a little uh, interesting sometimes. It was just their assumption that all of them were going to die for their faith. When people got saved and baptized in the New Testament church, they were, they were likely to be cut off by their families and to be shunned by their society. Guess what? Still the same today. There are a lot of people, billions of people all over the world who are in danger of their lives for surrendering to Christ. But guess what? They do it anyway. They say yes to Jesus anyway. They follow Jesus anyway. We're scared to death. He's going to ask us to teach a kid's class. Right? We're scared that we're going to have to do something that takes an hour a week. Paul said, I'm ready. Y'all are so ready for this to be over. I'm getting there, I promise. If you could see your faces right now. Paul said, I'm ready for my life to be poured out like a drink offering. When he got older, he said, I'm caught between two options. He said, I'm ready to go to heaven and receive the reward for the work that I've done here on earth, but I'm also compared, compelled to stay here because y'all still need me. The kingdom can still benefit from my life on this earth. I've still got a little bit more left in the tank, Paul said. People are trying to kill me, and sometimes I don't have enough food to eat and enough clothes to stay warm, but there's still work to be done. So I'm torn. That's what Paul said. Can you imagine being so surrendered that you'll endure more hardship just to keep making a difference in somebody's life? When you look at... Y'all watch, y'all, some of y'all watch old war movies. And you see the young guys, the little privates, man, they just got here from boot camp and they can't wait to get in the battle. But you look at the sergeants, you look at the guys in the, in the old days when they're putting on armor and getting their sword and all that, you can see a difference in the eyes. Right? The young guys are excited and they think this is going to be the coolest thing ever. The old guys know exactly what they're about to do. You can see it in their face but they're still committed to it. They're not looking forward to it. They just know that that's the only way forward in order to win the battle. I'm not telling you that this is fun. I'm not telling you that you're going to get up every morning excited to face hardships and challenges. I'm simply telling you that the path of following Jesus means sometimes you've got to put on the armor and go right back into a fight. 
About 12 years ago, Valerie and I were on our anniversary trip. And we were, um, we don't always go on an anniversary trip, so this was really unusual. And we spent an awful lot of time talking on that anniversary trip about whether we were going to continue in, in ministry, in this kind of ministry, in church ministry. I was full-time here. I was not pastor yet. But we spent most of those three days talking about whether or not we still had anything in the tank. And I remember Valerie saying, I don't think I've got another fight in me. Because in those days, we seemed to fight a lot. And before we got home, we got a phone call that told us of the next fight that we were fixing to fight. And we just both took a deep breath. And we said, well, okay. Here's what we're walking back into. And we just, we inhaled and we came back and we put our heads down and we got to work. And we tried to endure and we tried to stay, (laughs) dodge the bullets and stay faithful. You're going to have to do that sometimes. You're going to have to do that sometimes. Here's a little hard, a little good news though. Say, John, how in the world could Jesus expect us to follow him like that, to do things like that that are uncomfortable and unsafe? How could you even stand your life? How could you go on living if that's what your life is about? Well, the interesting thing is that fully surrendered is also fully free. Paul, the same guy who listed all the ways that he had suffered in this life, also said this, and I want you to see this in its proper context. I just real, I realized today this is Super Bowl Sunday, and you're probably going to hear one of these verses a lot, completely out of context. So I want you to read the, the proper context, Philippians 4. We're going to start in verse 10. How I praise the Lord, this is Paul again, how I praise the Lord that you're concerned about me again. I know you've always been concerned about me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Listen, not that I was ever in need. He was never in need. Did you hear the bio I read just a minute ago? Here's why he was never in need. Because I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing. Or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation. Whether it's with a full stomach or empty. With plenty or little. You ain't going to believe the verse that comes next. For I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. <laughs> nothing, n- nothing about winning a ball game, apparently. It's not a name it or claim it kind of deal. It's not a happy, healthy, wealthy, and wise deal. He, I would suggest to you that he found the secret of living, not despite his surrender, but because of it. When you surrender to Jesus, you find out that safety is not the absence of risk. It's the presence of Jesus. Comfort is not about having every need met. It's what the Holy Spirit provides because he is the comforter. Regardless of the situation. Surrender is a game changer that leads to peace and power in every situation. You say, okay, John, I think I got it. So I just go look for the most dangerous, awful thing that I can find to do. And that's God's will for me. No. (laughs) 
No. Surrender's not safe, but it's not reckless either. It's not danger for the sake of danger. It's not spiritual thrill-seeking in the name of Jesus. Putting yourself in harm's way just because it's dangerous is not spiritual-minded. Why? Because you'd be potentially wasting a valuable kingdom resource just because you're dumb. You belong to Jesus. He bought you with a high price. If he wants you on a dangerous mission, he'll send you. That's up to him. He's the one who knows the right strategy and resource for every mission. He will send people into danger if that's the right strategy, but the danger's not the point. Paul wanted to run into a riot. There were tens of thousands of people in the stadium in the city of Ephesus, which Paul caused in Acts 19, and he was fixing to run up in there. And the people who were there said, there's no way we're letting you go in there. Why? Because they would have ripped him limb from limb, literally. It was a bad strategy. And God spoke, fortunately, to the guys around him and said, don't let that man run in that place. God's plan for that situation was not for Paul to sacrifice his life. There were other times the Holy Spirit told him not to preach in certain cities. Maybe the people, you're like, well, how would you not go preach to people? Maybe their hearts weren't ready for the gospel. Or maybe there were unseen dangers that would have taken their lives too soon. We can't be afraid of danger or discomfort for the sake of Christ, but we also shouldn't run to it. There is a bigger picture. Surrender is not safe, but it is strategic. And here's the, here's the last thing. You think, oh, thank God. Uh, surrender is not being, no, this is not going to get easier, I'm just telling you. Um, surrender is not being right, but being righteous. Surrender is not about being right. It's about being righteous. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 23 through 26. Again I say, again I say, apparently Paul has had to already say this once. Don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. I, I did not realize Facebook existed in Paul and Timothy's days, but it's right there. Stupid, useless fights. Huh, how about that? A servant of the Lord, y'all read this with me, a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, (laughs) be able to teach, and be patient with what kind of people? (sighs) Hmm. Verse 25, I would like to make it out of here alive, so let's go to verse 25. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Gently instruct those. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth and then they'll come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap for they've been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. Don't get caught up in foolish arguments. Why? Because they start fights with people that you are called to win to Jesus. I don't know a single person who ever got argued into the kingdom. Fussed, nagged, wore out, none of that. None of that. You can't win people to the Lord if you're fighting with them. 
when you're surrendered to the Lord, you have to keep the big picture in mind. You have to keep the kingdom in mind. Paul said, I become, I become all things to all men. I, I just become like whoever I'm with. Not in the sense that he was sinning with the sinners. He just said, I'm not, I don't show up to argue with them. He just submitted his thoughts and his preferences so that by all means he might win some of them. He didn't argue about what could or could not be eaten. He didn't argue about this ritual or that ceremony, about this opinion or that one. He stood before kings and rulers, but he never one time offered them his political opinions. Paul gave up the right to be right so that he could accomplish the work of the gospel. Don't start a fight with anybody over anything less than the truth of the gospel. Come on, Corey. You say, listen, John, I'm telling you, I always tell people the truth. I just tell them exactly the way I see it. Yeah, that ain't what we're talking about. That's not the truth we're talking about. Most of the time when we talk about telling people the truth, what we're really talking about is our opinion, our perspective, our experience, our way of seeing things. When you're a follower of Jesus, truth is a person, not a position. The only good reason to cause an argument with somebody is when they argue back against the truth of the word of Jesus. Politics is too small a thing to jeopardize the work of the kingdom. And so is pretty much every other subject that you might have an opinion on. A surrendered person doesn't live their lives trying to be right They live their lives trying to be righteous. That means doing right things. That means letting the gospel win even if you have to lose. That means making the gospel look wise even if it makes you look foolish. The biggest turnoff to most people I know is when somebody acts like they know everything and we got churches full of people like that. You want to hear the hardest thing I'm going to say today? No. Here it comes anyway. Dare to appear ignorant sometimes. Dare to learn something from somebody. Dare to stay neutral in a world that's polarized. Dare to stay silent in a a world that's full of people screaming at each other. It'll get people's attention faster than anything you're ever going to say. You say, well, I got the right to speak my mind. I got the right to my own opinions. Well, you also got the right to remain silent. We just don't protect that one as much as we probably should. Surrendered means giving up your rights. If you're, here's, the, here's the test of your surrender. If your opinions are getting in the way of the gospel, are you willing to let them go? Jesus stood silent before his accusers. Not because he couldn't have used his divine wisdom to win the argument. Listen, but because winning the argument wouldn't have advanced the kingdom. He wasn't there to be right. He was there to be righteous. He wasn't there to win. He was there to die. The same is true of us and our mission here on this earth. We're not here to win. We're here to die. We're not here to be right. We're here to be righteous. The Bible says that we are Christ's ambassadors. 
What does that mean? It means we represent the interest and the position of the king in this strange land we live in. When you're surrendered to the king, when you're his ambassador, your opinions don't matter. And they can never cloud the king's business. So what do we do? We seek first the kingdom of God. We make him, we surrender, and we make him our, the first and the foremost in our lives. Being right or appearing wise does not factor into the equation. Surrender is not about being right. It's about being righteous. Let me ask you this. And you, well, you could, I could ask this question just about every American church and everybody would enthusiastically say yes. You want to see your community in revival? You want to see, you want to see your community changed for Jesus? Shaken by a real, authentic move of God? It'll happen when we get truly surrendered. Surrender's not safe. It's not subtle. It's not about being right. Everything is all in the kingdom is always about the king. So just let me ask you, are you surrendered today? Now stand with me, please. This is the time that I, I just want you to take a few minutes. They're going to sing a song the way we always do. We open the altar. The altar's always open. You want to come and pray about something, you can come and pray about something. I have had every kind of problem you can have in the world. I've had relationship problems and financial problems and big decisions to make and, and uh, all kinds of things. So I'm not belittling whatever you might be going through today. But let me tell you, there is nothing more important in your life right now than you deciding if you're surrendered to Jesus or not. So before you move on to asking the Lord for anything else, you make sure when you walk out of this place today, you're surrendered to Jesus for real. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would... Uh, Lord, as they used to say in the little church I grew up in, would just walk the aisles. Lord, would you go from person to person today? Would you show us the true condition of our hearts? too important to play games with. It's too important to have pride that prevents us from getting to the truth. I pray, Lord, that today you would help us to know where we are. That nobody leaves today on the fence, but that everybody knows exactly where they are. And I pray, Lord, for a congregation of people who are truly and fully surrendered to you, life-changing, life-exchanging surrender is what we're asking for, Lord. Change us. Change us. Use us for your kingdom, for your honor, and for your glory. I pray, Lord, for people who thought they were saved when they walk out into this building today, that they'll walk out knowing that they're saved. And those who walked in not knowing you at all, I pray that they surrender to you right now. Uh -huh.
100%. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.